Good morning. Would you, can we give a round of applause? Thank our worship band this morning for leading us in song. Um, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are, we are presented here with another opportunity this week to worship you. To recognize who you are. On one hand, that you are the creator of the universe, that you are the king of kings and you are the lord of lords. And on the other, the scripture says that Jesus, you call us brother, and we call you friend. That you love all of us and you love each of us. What an incredible truth to know this morning. God, I pray that you would teach us this morning. That for those of us who need to hear something new, Lord, I pray that you would teach that to us. And for those of us who need to be reminded once again of your love and your grace, that's probably all of us. God, would you teach that to us again? This morning, would you reveal the nature of your love Would you reveal the nature of your mission to us again this morning? Pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. It is good to be with you this morning. If we've not met before, my name is uh, Pastor Nick. I get to serve as the uh, campus pastor over in New Prague. and we greeted them the same way that I greet you this morning. I, for those of you who are here in the room, we've got, you know, the, the frozen chosen here. I'm glad you came out, and this would have been a lot emptier if you weren't here. Um, and so I'm glad you're here this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, um, we welcome you uh, into worship as well. Um, we are continuing on in our series of everything new. You know, it's not really, I was trying to, come up with a a way to describe this. It's not really an uh, 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 anti-New Year's resolution as so much as maybe it's a counter to um, New Year's resolutions, especially to the, um, oh, how would you say it in this? Uh, 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 The fleeting nature of New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you made a resolution this year. Um, If you did, the odds are um, that you've already broken it. Um, I... You know that week in between uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's, I was sitting next to Brittany, uh, and, I, and, I, and I know I said something, and I said, hey, remind me, this is going to be my resolution in 2024. And then January 1st came around, and I said, hey, do you remember what, do you remember what I said to you? And she's like, no, I don't. So I had one, and I don't even remember what it was. Uh, so, uh, the, you know, like I said, the fleeting nature of these New Year's resolutions. Um, I, you know, it's funny, uh, we don't necessarily get a lot of time around here on the pastoral staff to watch TV, um, but there's, if you put the kind of the Venn diagram of what does Pastor Jay watch, he's got some free time, and what does Pastor Nick watch when he has some free time, we overlap a lot. Um, it's, it's mainly this, we watch a lot of baseball uh, and a lot of food shows. Do you watch food shows? We all do, right? It's like, it's comfort. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's comfort on TV. There's so many food shows out there from 
cooking competitions and, and you know, teach you how to do this. And um, There was this, uh, this food documentary that came out a number of years ago. It was kind of the first one to really kind of kick off this craze. It was on Netflix like 15 years ago. Um, have you ever heard of this movie called Psalm? S-O-M-M. It's like, like I said, it's kind of the first one. And the, the story of this documentary is it would follow these, these candidates who were attempting to become, and I, I apologize, I'm going to really butcher how to say this. They're gonna, they want to become master samulets. Did I say that? Boy, that's the most Midwest way to say that. Master samulets, like wine experts, right? Okay. And there's like not that many in the world. Who, have, who, who get to put that title on, on their business card. And if you're going to become one, you have to go to this competition. Uh, you have to take this test. It's like oh, stretched out over a weekend. It's once a year. It's really expensive to take. Um, but basically what you figure out in this movie is that the only way to pass the test is that if you can taste and, and recognize basically every wine on the planet, uh, and it's a, the, the, the depth of their knowledge on it is incredible. Um, there's, the reason why I tell you this, though, is there's this kind of hilarious scene at the beginning of it. And they're talking about how immersive the world of wine is. And what these, what these folks do is, one of the things they want to do is they want to work in fancy restaurants. And they want to tell you, right, they want to sell you a glass of wine. They want to tell you, uh, have you ever seen this before where you've got like the, you got the glass of wine and you're like swirling it and they kind of do one of those and they're like, oh, it's a bouquet of greatness. I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't be very good at it. Um, but these guys are. And there's this scene at the beginning of the movie, uh, this guy Ian, he's one of the candidates. And if you want to really stand out, you got to be creative in how you describe this glass of wine. So he's got this glass of white wine and he's kind of swirling it. He's doing the thing and he goes, smells like flowers and it smells mm, like fresh cut flowers. And then he goes, he goes, yeah, it's dry. And, and then he like, boy, he takes like this real whiff of it. And he goes, you know, it smells like a, uh, a freshly opened can of tennis balls. <laughs> and then he goes... Oh, no, 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 it smells like, it smells like freshly cut garden hose. I don't know if that sounds appealing to you. It doesn't really to me, but that was the like, oh, this is, this is special. Tennis balls. Um, the reason why I tell you this is that we're going to talk about wine a lot this morning. Um, I don't really know anything about wine. We're going to talk about wine. Specifically, we're going to talk about what Jesus says about wine. He, he gets into this conversation um, with Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, by the way, this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. And he's over at Matthew's house. He's hanging with Matthew and these fellow tax collectors. And, and we're going to see the scripture, tax collectors and sinners. Um, those are the two groups. And Jesus gets asked a question couple of questions. And he gives some unique answers. Maybe we would even, boy, that, maybe that's too polite. Some really strange answers. 
We want to look at these, these answers that Jesus gives. So Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, reading in Jesus' name. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples, they don't. Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins. And so both are preserved. Here ends the reading of God's word. Man, strange answers, right, that Jesus gives to this question. Um, I grew up in a uh, the, the church that we attended had a pre-K through 12 grade uh, Christian school. Um, and my family moved there. Uh, I started attending third grade all the way through I graduated through high school. It's a really awesome opportunity. Um, we had, which apparently is not a real common thing anymore, um, we had a home ec class. Did you, right? You had home ec? What are they, uh, facts? Isn't that what they call it now? So I had home ec, home ec class at a, at a Christian high school um, and a really um, wise home ec teacher. And we did this. Uh, she had us put new cloth on an old garment, like on an old sweatshirt, and we threw it in the wash, we threw it in the dryer, and it came out and the patch wasn't there anymore. Um, it was a great visual of what Jesus is describing here. And then Jesus gets to this image of wine and wine skins. So let's talk about wine for a second. Wine was incredibly important uh, to the ancient world. Now, some of you maybe have heard this before. Um, maybe you've heard, uh, oh, but the, the, the wine in Jesus' day, it was basically grape juice. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't have any alcohol in it. Um, that's not true. <laughs> um, the, it was wine. It was fermented. And there's a really um, important reason for it. Maybe if you remember in your history class, I don't know if we have any high schoolers in here who have, have, have gone through like European history. The idea that like water was safe to drink is like, that's a pretty new concept in history. Um, for the most part, water was kind of sketchy. Um, especially, like I said, if you read through like feudal history through, uh, through the days of like the plague or things like that, um, just going and like, I don't, you know, I don't know about you. If you were really thirsty, would you go down to the river here in Lesur 
and like, yeah, right? I wouldn't do that. Uh, it's kind of the same thing there. So how could you get safe water? Well, you a lot of times would uh, have a fermented bev- uh, beverage where the, the alcohol would kill the bacteria and it would be safe for you to drink. And so they, uh, wine was a very common beverage um, every day uh, at this time. Now, uh, I don't know if we have any, um, we did over in New Prague, so you don't, whatever. I don't know if we have any like home winemakers here. Um, maybe you are a, a home brewer. Um, you know, during the pandemic, did you catch this trend of at what stay at home of people um, making sourdough? Were you a sourdough, right? Uh, uh, if you if you never met him, uh, the, uh, there was a uh, the youth guy on staff here at the time was Eric Smith, and Eric was really into the sourdough. Uh, we got a lot of sourdough gifts from him, you know. And you gotta like you gotta feed the sourdough, and you gotta burp the sourdough, and you gotta you know you gotta take care of your sourdough. Can't neglect it. Well, any of these things, sourdough, wine, beer, they're all fermented. I don't know if you know this, maybe I'm explaining something that you already know, but the way that you ferment something is you got to have yeast get into it, right? Uh, maybe it's wild yeast, maybe you're putting your own yeast in it, whatever. But like, if you're going to make wine, you got grape juice, and if you get yeast in it, you put yeast in there, and there's little microorganisms, and a yeast's job uh, is to find, uh, to hunt down sugar, eat the sugar, and it converts it into two things. It converts it into alcohol, and it converts it into carbon dioxide gas. Okay? It's very important to what Jesus is talking about here. Carbon dioxide, right? So it, it, it creates this gas in there. And so that's why you would, you would use these wine skins. Now, wine making these days, right? You have these stainless steel vats. You put it into oak barrels. You do all these things. They didn't have any of that. And so when they would ferment their wine, they would either put it into clay jars that they could take the the lids off of, or what they would do is they would take animal skins, primarily goat skins, and they would, you know, they would uh, sew it up, turn it into a bag, and they'd put the unfermented grape juice in there, and they'd sew it up, and, and that's how you would ferment your wine. I, I don't know what tennis ball guy would say about goat skin wine, um, but that's what they would do. And then this incredible thing would happen, right? Uh, the yeast is it's eating the sugar, it's making the alcohol, it's, it's, uh, and it's making the carbon dioxide gas, and this skin would blow up like a balloon, like a, tight as a drum. Um, you could wrap your finger, you know, you could do this on it. And, uh, and if you had a good one, it would be able to contain all of that. And that's how you would make your wine. Um, you know, I, I said, uh, maybe some of you are home brewers or make your own wine or something like that. My, uh, my sister is just as much of a kind of a food, uh, curious person as I am. And she decided she was going to brew her own uh, kombucha. I don't know if you're a kombucha drinker. Some of you like hear that word and you're like, that sounds nasty. 
It kind of is. Um, it's, and, uh, but it's supposed to be right. It's supposed to be really good for your health, your stomach. That's what they say. Okay, so Kayla's going to brew her own kombucha. Strawberry rhubarb flavored, by the way, which is really key to the story. And uh, so she brews it, and you know, you put it in a big jug, and it does its thing. The yeast does its thing. And then you got to bottle it. And so she puts it on these little individual bottles. And I don't know if you know this. Uh, they do this in beer making, too. When you put it in a, in a beer bottle, you got to put a little sugar in the bottom of it, right? And, and that, the yeast that's in the beer eats that sugar, and that's what creates the gas, the carbonation. That's why beer has bubbles, uh, is, is you do that. Well, it's the same thing in kombucha, okay? So Kayla, she's putting all this very red strawberry rhubarb kombucha, really red, um, into these bottles. Um, but as you can imagine, you have to put a pretty exact amount of sugar in these bottles. Um, because if you put too much, the yeast isn't going to know. Um, it ain't going to stop doing what it's doing. Well, anyway, Killa doesn't measure right. And so she loads it up, puts the sugar in the bottles, puts the kombucha in there, caps these bottles, put them in a box, takes them upstairs to my parents' house uh, and in, their, uh, in the closet in the guest room, and she's going to let it do its thing in there. Well, like two days later, middle of the night. You can imagine uh, the heart attack that my parents have when all of a sudden they hear boom, 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 boom. And they're convinced that it, there are gunshots happening upstairs in their house. Well, there was too much sugar, too much gas in the bottle. So she basically made these bombs that are shooting red strawberry rhubarb kombucha from the top of the ceiling to the, soaking in the floor, broken glass. I was really, I called my mom this week. And I said, man, did you take a picture? Because that would be incredible. And she said, no, we didn't, but really red uh, was her, uh, her impression on this. It exploded everywhere. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about here. And so what would happen, he's talking about, Putting new wine into new wineskins, because what, these wineskins, uh, if it's a new one, is it would have some flex to it, so it could turn into that balloon. Um, but at some point, that flex, like it, it reaches its like elasticity, right? And so if you were to put like another batch of new wine that had more gas in it, you're creating not a lot of broken glass, but what would happen is that balloon would pop and it would wreck the wine skin, and all of your hard work would be all over the ground. Okay. Maybe you're asking, as I think the, maybe the disciples were as well, is, like, what is Jesus getting at here? What is up with this whole wineskin thing? I mean, they asked him, uh, can we put up the verse again? They asked him the question about, hey, uh, we fast, uh, and the Pharisees fast, and you guys don't. And this is Jesus' response to it. So why does Jesus use this analogy as an answer to a question about fasting? I'd like to offer you this. Because the mission that Jesus was on 
If you've read through this, if you've, uh, if you've been with us on Wednesday evenings over here, uh, as we've been studying through Mark, it has been so clear through Mark that Jesus was on a mission to bring the kingdom of God to earth from day one. And it's the same thing. You see this here in the book of Matthew. And his mission, this saving mission, changes everything. You see, Jesus was here to bring about the kingdom of God on earth, and it did not fit into the old, familiar way of the world. The presence of Christ changes everything. Look at, uh, if we go earlier in the text, he uses a different analogy, right? He uses this wedding analogy. Now, Again, I don't know how many of you made New Year's resolutions. Right, oftentimes our resolutions are maybe we're going to give up smoking or we're going to try to lose a little weight. I, I, I know most of you, most of you are very polite people. Um, I cannot imagine that even if you had that New Year's resolution and you went to a wedding and you were sitting within like eye shot of the couple and they had provided a banquet for you that you would go, yeah, sorry, on a diet. Like, we wouldn't do that, right? That, that, that goes against every, like, like I said, most of you are polite. Like, most of you wouldn't do that. Um, it, Jesus is making this point here. It, it's, it's almost like, he's saying like, it's almost like going, man, I can't wait till Jesus gets back. While sitting at the table with Jesus, like, when, when the presence of Christ is here, everything changes. It looks different. It doesn't fit into our old way of thinking. See, Jesus was teaching us that the wine of the gospel cannot be poured into our old wineskins, our old preconceived notions of how the world works. At the time of this text, he would have been referring to this Pharisee-enforced version of religion that tries to do everything that you possibly can to make God happy. This view of the world that, that, that because maybe you can follow the laws, you know, really well and, and you try to be a holier, closer to God sort of person, makes you better than the people around you, like... That was the religious worldview of the day. Not even just of the day. Like This gets talked about in the Old Testament too. Um, we've got verses from Ezekiel. Um, check this out. This is hundreds of years before this. Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel say, I will, clean, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Right? We read this as our uh, call to worship this morning. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. But check out the next verse. And I will give you a new heart. And a new heart I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Boy, it sounds a little old wineskin, new wineskin language here. You see, what needs to be removed is that old wineskin, that heart of stone, that, that old way of living in exchange for the living, breathing work of the gospel to do its work in our lives. And I say our lives because I, I truly believe that this has deep meaning for you and I today. 
How many times do we live our lives where we already, like, we already have our minds made up and, you know, I don't know how much you analyze the way that you're living your life. I think most of us probably go, yeah, we're living our life the right way. And I'm going to just sprinkle a little Jesus on top of that. Like, I, I pretty much already know how I'm going to live, but we're just going to, like, sprinkle a little church on top just to make, make sure we're good. Like, we act that way. But, like, and I think we're all guilty of this. Trust me, I'm guilty of it myself. And we read the scripture and we get presented with what Luther would call the mirror of the law. We look at ourselves in the mirror and go, oh, my life's not as pretty as I thought it was. I, I, I think that what happens is this, is we either consciously or, or subconsciously say, hey, I know that I have this sin in my life, but either I don't want to change it, it's going to be too painful to change it, um, it's going to cost too much to change it, that I'm going to just be okay with that and then I'm going to go to church and, and it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Instead, uh, that, that, that's an old wineskin way of thinking. Another way to think about it is this, is that when you put new wine into an old wineskin, it's like the old wineskin saying, hey, new wine, conform, conform to me. But if you put new wine in a new wineskin, it's the wine that does the conforming, the shaping work. We're old wineskins like all the time. And we tell God, hey, just fit into, fit, fit into my life, fit into what I want to do. We do this in so many areas of our life. Um, the one that was like, oh, the one that was really convicting to me is like the way I parent. Is like, oh, no, 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 I know what's right for my kids. We're going to do it this way. And I had, man, I had the most, like, it caught me, like, square between the eyes. I thought I was parenting uh, my son the right way. And then my dad just said, kind of being hard on him, aren't you? Yeah, I thought I was doing what was right, and I wasn't, and I didn't know. You know, it's another way that we are, like, we do this whole old wine scene thing, like, all the time, is... And, and I think it's like literally all across the spectrum. Um, I think we do this like in our politics a lot, right? I'm, I feel this way. I'm going to justify it by probably using some verse out of context. And, um, but because it's in the Bible this way, uh, I'm going to take that and, and fill it in the way that I think that the world should be. Instead of... seeing what scripture has to say and conforming my life to it. Who's doing the work in the wine, in the wineskin analogy? Are you an old wineskin telling God to conform to your life? Are we allowing the work of the gospel to take out this heart of stone, replace it with a heart of flesh, take out this old wineskin and put in a new and say, God, lead me in the way that you would want me to go. I have to tell you that the sort of living, being old wineskins, has a tendency to blow up. 
It's us putting ourselves in front of the rescue mission that is the kingdom of God. And because, because the gospel, much like, much like the wine in that wineskin, the gospel's alive and, and, and brimming with life and energy and it requires a brand new vessel. The gospel will not conform to an old pre-existing shape. Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, excuse me, the old has passed away. Like the old is gone and the new has come. You know, I've gone through this in my own life. I'm sure you have as well. It hurts when you recognize that there are things that you need to change in your life. It hurts, um, it hurts when you figure it out on your own, right? Um, you hear about this, I think, with a lot of, um, speaking of all these analogies, um, with a lot of alcoholics, Right, you have this. Um, what do they have? They talk about a a moment of clarity to put down the bottle. Um, but you know what? Like, also hurts is like when you have to have people in your life tell you, "Hey, you can't live that way. That ain't working. You have to stop doing that." Um, what's that? You know the phrase. Maybe you're thinking of it in your own head right now. Of the saying, truth hurts. Um, actually, you know, the Bible goes one step further. Uh, truth, the law, the truth, the law, it actually does more than hurt. It kills. And boy, if we ended it there, um, we are all on the hook. We are all that old wine skin just burst all over the ground. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I, uh, as I was prepping for this message, um, I had gone onto YouTube uh, uh, to uh, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to find a video of this whole wineskin thing. And like, come on, internet, there's a gazillion videos out there and there's not one video of the wineskin. But it, what it did is it, you're right, it suggested some other videos. And I came across this, uh, this other preacher and he was, preaching on this text. And you know what he said? This is what he said. He said, hey, we're all old wineskins. Um, like, uh, you better like, you know, um, what's a shape up, get right. Like, you're doing something wrong, you better change it. Uh, uh, you want more money in your life? You better do it. You want your marriage to be better? You better do it. You want your kids to be good kids? It's on you, man. That's my interpretation of it. Uh, nowhere in Scripture does it say that you have to solve your problems on your own. You know that? Nowhere in Scripture does God say to someone, figure it out. But instead, 
what the truth of the gospel is, is that when we hear this word of the law that we are the old wineskin, that something has to change, that our heart of stone needs to be replaced with a heart of flesh. You know who does, the, does that work, does that surgery? It's God taking the heart of stone and replacing it with the heart of flesh. You see, you see Jesus is both the new wine and the new wineskin. That when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Uh, Paul talks about this uh, again in the New Testament. He says that, that when we die, we are then raised up in Christ. That our life is found in Christ. I've heard it explained one way before that, that when God looks in your direction, all he sees is his son, Jesus. And he looks at you like front ways, back ways, and sideways. What he sees is his beloved son who has taken the place for our sins. That is really good news. Instead of saying, you need to do the hard work of changing and maybe your life will be better, the New Year's resolution of like, you need to stop doing this or you need to do this. What the, what the gospel says, what the gospel says is, hey, stop, do nothing other than accept by faith this gift of life that God gives you. There's not a New Year's resolution in the world that says stop and do nothing but the gospel says God does everything for you. And through faith, we get to accept that. He's the one who puts the new wine skin and then fills it with the gospel, with that new wine, with the living, breathing mission of the kingdom of God to save the world. God is the one who does it all. And that's why at the end it says that in the new wine and the new wineskin that they both be preserved. We accept by faith the free gift of God. He's the one who gives it all to those who simply surrender and believe in his name. I hope you hear that God is not asking you to do anything other than to let him do his full and complete work in your life. Let's stop trying to pour Jesus into our set ways of living and allow the gospel to completely change our heart and our life today. He is ready to do that for you. Are you ready to let him do it? Would you pray with me? You know, Lord, <laughs> oftentimes we are the most stubborn bunch of old wineskins around. Committed to knowing that, that, that we know best on how our lives should go. Lord, I pray that the law, that your law, that the truth of your law would shatter that for us. That, our, that you would bust up and replace our old wineskins and re replace it with the heart of flesh given by you. 
God, may we just stop and surrender to your love. Lord, continue to do that work on our hearts and our lives. Lord, I, I, I pray that if there's someone in here that needs to take the next step on that, or like, yeah, I do need to just stop and surrender. I pray that they would come and talk to me or one of the elders after the service. Lord, let the new wine of the gospel fill our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.